Hello, and, again, welcome to the Aperture Science Computer Aided Enrichment Center. We hope your brief detention in the relaxation vault has been a pleasant one. Two True Freaks presents Hope of All Trades, hosted by Hope Molinax, a podcast by a girl unheard of! If it isn't that hairless harpy. If it isn't Skywalker's filthy, obnoxious little pet. Where am I? Oh, girl. You're well spotted. It's a girl? Oh, yeah. You're right about that. She can violate my rights if... Hey! You make this, and you die a legend. Can I pee first? I'm really glad that worked. Those would have been terrible last words. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Hope of All Trades. I'm your host, Hope Molinax. That hasn't changed, I promise. I'm, I'm still me. Yay! And I am really, really excited about this episode. It is my... Dragon Con episode! Yay, Dragon Con! Oh, it was so good! Like, super duper good! So, in this episode, I'm gonna cover everything I did at Dragon Con. There will be some spoilers for stuff, but any spoilers, I will save towards the end. Uh, when I mean spoilers, I went to a Doctor Who panel about the new season, and I also went to uh, a panel, and it was the undercover scoop of The Hobbit. So I will save all that for the end. So if you don't want to be spoiled, then you don't have to be. Yes, aren't I so, so very nice. I know, Hope, you're wonderful, yay! Oh, wow, Dragon Con. Uh, it was this last weekend, Labor Day weekend, and it was really, really, really super fun. I haven't been to Dragon Con in a few years, so it was, it was nice to go back to it. And I, this is, I think, my 8th, ninth Dragon Con. Um, I started going when I was 16, and I, I went consecutively 6 or 7 years, and then I haven't gone the last 2 or 3 years because I was finishing school and money and jobs and blah blah blah. Yeah, it was really good to get back. It's, it's interesting to see how much it's grown. Especially just in like the 2-3 years I haven't gone. Because in the 2-3 years I haven't gone, it was only 4 hotels, and now it's 5 again. Well, not again, it is 5 been five. So it's really interesting to see how big it's gone. I remember my first Dragon Con when it was just two hotels. And just, you know, it was smaller and intimate and fun. And I think someone said it's the fourth or third largest con now. Like just under Comic Con and New York Comic Con. And then it's either Dragon Con or another con in the Dragon Con. It's massive. It's it's so big. <laughs> I put a picture on my Facebook of um, just the shot of the Marriott from the 10th floor, and there's just people everywhere. And it's like that in all five hotels. It's not just, just the Marriott, it's, it's all of them. They're always constantly packed. Let's get into this. So, I went on Friday. Friday was fun, though I didn't get to go to any of the panels I wanted to go to. There were several panels I wanted to get to, and I just didn't get a chance to go. Like, one I wanted to really go to is I wanted to go to an Avengers panel. That was one thing I really wanted to go to, because I really loved the Avengers over the summer. 
but I've really been getting into the comics recently. I'm I'm actually reading Siege right now. Um, I'm, I'm finishing up the Prelude, and I've been reading Thor around the 600 mark, and all that like Lady Loki leading up to the Siege of Asgard. Really cool stuff. I, I'm really enjoying it. And um, I just, uh, I really, 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 really wanted to go to an Avengers panel. But there was only like two or three of them. There really wasn't any. And I think it's because it was on the Whedon track. It wasn't on the comics track, it was on the Whedon track, which makes sense because it was directed by Joss Whedon and everything. Though I kind of wish they had it split. Like they had some Avengers tracks on the comic track. Because the thing about the Joss Whedon track, because Joss Whedon's amazing, he's given us wonderful things like Buffy and Firefly and Serenity and Dr. Horrible Singalong Blog. Wonderful, wonderful pieces of art. But there's only so many panels you can do on this one track, so in a way the Avengers didn't get as much love as I wanted. I was really hoping that it would be on some of the comic book track too, whether it was like a panel comparing the comics to the movies, if it did justice, so on and so forth. And there's other ones, like I really wanted to go to a Supernatural panel, I, I wanted to go to uh, a breakdown of Angels and Demons and Archangels and Supernatural. There's also one that was Sexuality and Supernatural I didn't get to go to. And I, I just recently got into Supernatural, um, I'm only in Season 2, I just started Season 2 actually. So I, I kind of was glad I didn't go to any tracks because I'd probably get spoiled. At the same time it was something I wanted to do. I didn't get to go to any Funimation panels because Funimation was here, and or any anime panels or stuff like that. So Friday was just a really, really kind of it was busy, but in a chill way. But uh, so let's break this down. It was okay that I didn't go to the panels because I went to the Cabin Pressure meetup. Cabin Pressure is a wonderful radio show produced by the BBC. <laughs> Sorry, that's what they say at the end of the episode. This is a proud production of the BBC! And it's a radio show by John Finnamore, who is a genius. He's, a, he's an amazing man, and I just want to be him. <laughs> I, I want to meet him and pick his brain and learn all his secrets, because to me, he's up there with like Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat, where, where Gatiss and Moffat do wonderful sci-fi and technical work with Sherlock and Doctor Who, I, I think John Finnamore is on the same caliber, but as comedy. He's an amazing, amazing, amazing comedic writer. And Cabin Pressure, if you don't know, because not everybody knows it, and like I said, I highly recommend it. You can find it on Amazon, and I think you can find it on iTunes, and um, it's it's floating around, and you didn't hear this from me. What? What? You did not hear this from me. Um, it's floating around YouTube as well, so... Um, it's it's fairly easy to find, but I, I would say definitely buy it because it's it's wonderful. If you love British humor, it's it's wonderful. And what it is is that it follows the lives of four people working for a private airline. And it's not really an airline because they only have one jet, so it's an air dot because you can't put one jet on a line. That's a that's a quote straight from the from the radio show. And you have Martin who's played by the wonderful Benedict Cumberbatch. If you listen to my show, you know that I'm all gaga for Benedict Cumberbatch, and I, I want to lick his face and like, give him big hugs and, and not be a creeper stalker fangirl. I just really just want to meet him and give him a high five. But alas, I'll never be so special to do so, probably. And he plays Martin. Martin is the captain. And he is a young captain, and he is 
only the captain because Carolyn, who owns the company, didn't have to pay him. Because the one thing Martin is, is he's always loved aviation. He always loved planes and flying, and it always fascinated him to the point where he's really socially awkward. He doesn't care about, you know, pop culture. He doesn't care about who the president is or the prime minister. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He just loves planes. He fucking loves planes and, and flying and to the point where it makes him a, a really, really awkward man. And he is a bit flawed. He's kind of pretentious and you want to kind of sometimes punch him in the face. Um, and he's a stickler for, for the rules. And he's a really safe pilot. But it took him a long time to get where him where he is. And he's awkward, and which pairs him well with Douglas. Douglas is the first officer who is played by Roger Allen. The amazing, wonderful Roger Allen who has done stuff like V for Vendetta. He was in Le Miserable. He's just a brilliant actor. Like, INDB him, and I'm pretty sure if you love anything British, you've definitely seen something he's in. Um, and Douglas is a smooth-talking, cool cat. He's much older than Martin. He is the better of the two pilots, but he's the first officer because he used to work for Air England, and I think he was fired for embezzling money, I think it is. I think it was. I don't remember. And and so he, he came in as a first officer, and he really didn't care about being a pilot anymore, even though he is the better of the two, and he just kind of wants to coast. <laughs> that is what I'm, I gather from him. But he's a schemer. He, he's the smart, crafty one who almost always gets them out of every single one of their jams because he's just so crafty and cunning, and he it does bend the rules and gets through life by being like, oh, oh I'm Douglas Richardson, and I have wit, and, and I'm funny. Ha, 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 ha. And then when he's carrying Martin, Martin's like, you can't do that, you're going to kill us all! You, that's not in the rule book. Ah! Um, and then Benedict Cumberbatch makes these amazingly cute sounds with his voice, like, yeah! I just want to hug him forever. So there's Douglas and Martin, and as I said earlier, the airline is owned by Carolyn. Carolyn it is what would appear to be a little old lady. She got the jet, which is named Gertie, for Golf Echo Gertie, G-E-R, Romeo Tango India. That's what it is. <laughs> um... And she got it in the divorce from her really mean and cruel ex-husband. And she is the owner of MJ and Air. And you would think that she'd be this cute little old lady. No. No. She's played by Stephanie Cole, who is a badass in her own right as an actress. And Carolyn is tough as nails. She has no problem looking you right in the face and being like, No. I don't agree with that. You're going to steal my money, and I will mess you up if you do that. Get out of my office now. Why are you not walking out of my office? Do I need to score you out of my office? Because I will. Like, she is just tough as nails, and she doesn't take shit from no one. She, I don't want to say burdened, but uh, she is sort of <laughs> the wrangler of this ragtag group because the fourth member of their team is their steward, which is Arthur. Arthur is played by John Finnemore, who, of course, wrote the show, and he's so, so funny. Carolyn calls him an idiot child for a reason, because he is definitely not the brightest bulb in the, the light bulb box, <laughs> to say the least. He is hilarious, though, because all the other three characters are really cynical 
they're sarcastic, and they're a bit negative. Arthur has enough optimism to fuel the entire world. If you ever need a drop of optimism, he can just rub it off on you. He's He just knows that everything's going to work out in the end. As long as they stay chipper and happy and everything is brilliant. That's his key phrase. Everything is brilliant. And when he says that something is not brilliant, they know there's something wrong. <laughs> so everything is brilliant in life. And he's hilarious. I love Arthur. And it's just the sweetest thing in the entire world. And you just want to give him hugs. But, um, and, and then the episodes usually go, um, they have, they're flying somewhere. And in the, the course of these flights, shenanigans happen. They play fun word games to pass the time. They are almost always in trouble. Douglas usually bails them out. Except for in season three. I actually really like season three because Douglas gets a lot of shit come at him. And he really deserves most of it. <laughs> That's why season three is amazing. But yeah, it has three seasons. Um, Jonathan Amore is in the process of working on season four. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I highly suggest it. Because Cabin Pressure is one of those shows that it's, it's really great to listen to in the car. Really, I listen to it all the time when I'm driving and going on long trips. And So if you like podcasts and you listen to podcasts, then Cabin Pressure is another 24 minutes that you could, you know, replace for the day for your podcast. And give it a listen. It's, it's fun. It really, really hits its stride um, in Season 2. And it's one of those shows that, if you really think about it, they're all very tragic characters. And, and that's why it's funny, because if you weren't laughing at them, you'd be crying for these poor, terrible people. <laughs> so I went to the Cabin Pressure meetup, which was made of mostly Sherlockians who also love Cabin Pressure. And we had some great cosplayers. You can see them on my Tumblr. Uh, my Tumblr is geekygirlexperience.tumblr.com, as it always has been. And I did an entire write-up of Dragon Con 2 and added pictures. And, and the cosplayers look great. Like, we had um, Icarus Singh on Tumblr. She was cosplaying as one of the Arthurs. And there was another Arthur who had all the props uh, from the Christmas episode. Because they have a Christmas episode where they try to give Arthur the perfect Christmas on a plane. And she had uh, the green umbrella that was decorated like a Christmas tree. And the Christmas sock that had orange Tic Tacs because they couldn't get a real orange. And it had a packet of sugar because they couldn't get a sugar mouse. And because you couldn't get cold, uh, 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 gold chocolate coins on a plane, uh, she had the chocolate that was rubbed on to real coins. And she was just really, really awesome. And then I uh, had my friend Sam being a Carolyn. I had my friend Kara. And if you... I, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but Kara is an amazing person. She does these fandom teas. Like, she has a bunch of teas that are Sherlock-based. She has Avengers teas. And if you and they're all sold on adagio.com. Uh, they're, they're amazing, actually. My, I, I love the Steve Rogers tea. If you put enough cream and sugar in it, it literally tastes like apple pie. And it's so much fun. Um, the Loki tea tastes like mint. The Sherlock tea has a really smoky smell to it, and a very, very musky. The Mycroft tea sort of is, is actually amazing because it's very strong and manly at first, but has a really sweet aftertaste that sits on your palate. And I, I highly suggest any of her teas. But anyway, um, she was Martin, and it was just a really good, fun group. And I even, um, part of the meetup, I got to meet Taylor of the Baker Street Babes, which I think I mentioned in my last podcast. Um, the Baker Street Babes is the only all-girls podcast for Sherlock Holmes. And it was really cool to meet Taylor because, if anybody knows me, they know I love Wizard Rock, like all Harry Potter music. 
and I, she just looked so familiar, and I stared at her for the longest time, and I was like, you know, I feel like I've met you before, um, what, what, what are some other cons you've been to? And she's like, oh, I, w- I went to Heroes Gate, oh, I didn't go to that, or Heroes Con, oh, sorry, I didn't go to that, I went to Time Gate, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't gone to that, and then she was like, I went to this, like, little thing in Missouri, it was at a YMCA camp, it was a Harry Potter con, and I just went, Rockstock? You went to Rockstock? I went in 2009 and 2011! You've been to Rockstock! And we had just a, a moment where we were just like, yay, Harry Potter music, hooray! And it was really interesting and fun to meet her, now that I've actually met her in person. Maybe I can be like, hey, you remember me? You want to do a Sherlock Holmes podcast with me? Rubbing elbows, smile, cheek cheek, wink wink, nod nod, nudge nudge. Because I really would like someone from the Baker Street Babes to do a podcast with me for a Sherlock Holmes podcast. Maybe I'll also ask Kara or Jackie. We'll see. Um, so, yes, it was, it was a really fun meetup. And I got to meet a lot of cool people. And then afterwards, uh, we all went out to a diner. And we laughed at Kara because she got a baked potato and she was dressed as Martin. And there's a running joke about how Martin eats baked potatoes as treats because he's so poor. So we were just like, oh, baked potatoes. And it's probably the only fandom that really freaks out over baked potatoes. <laughs> and we had just a really, really good time just drawing on each other's mats. And, and I hope I, I hope that for some somehow... John Finnamore gets to know how much we really love and appreciate his fandom and how we're really looking forward to season four. I know I am. Yeah, Captain Pressure Meetup. It, it was super fun. Afterwards, I went to the Walk of Fame. It's where they, they wrangle all the rich, famous people and they kind of chill there. And um, I was going there for two specific people. I really wanted to see John Barrymore, who plays Captain Jack Hartness in Doctor Who. And I really wanted to see uh, Billy Boyd, who plays Pippin in Lord of the Rings. And I saw John Barrymore. I was in line to get his autograph, and then I realized I wasn't going to have enough money. So he, he was really pretty from afar, and I was kind of nervous just to walk up and be like, Hi! I'm poor, so you can't send my shit, but hi, I just wanted to say hi. I'm, I'm awkward. I didn't really want him to do that. So I got to see him from afar, and he was beautiful, and apparently in one of his panels, him and his partner took off their pants, and they were wearing Batman and Superman underwear. <sighs> Why didn't I go to that panel? Oh yeah, the line was four hours long. Yeah, but there's gifts of it on Tumblr, so yes, look them up, they're fun. So he was, he was really, really pretty from afar. And so I was really happy to go meet Billy Boyd. Because I've been a Lord of the Rings fan since I was like, oh Jesus, like 13 or something. So a good decade. And I read The Hobbit when I was in 6th grade, I, I read Lord of the Rings, I saw all the movies, I saw the, all, all the extended editions of the movies. Because my sister worked at a movie theater at the time, I saw Fellowship of the Rings 13 times in theater, 4 times in IMAX, and then I went to a special event at the Fox Theater in Atlanta and saw it. Like, I just, I love Lord of the Rings. It was one of my first fandoms that I was just really super duper passionate about. I was just like, oh, fandom, yay! So I, I was really nervous and excited to meet him. And I I got him a gift. Um, I was going to give him a poster I made in 8th grade. I, it had all these pictures I had printed out from the internet and taped to it. And something I've had on my wall for years. And I decided, you know, it was a really nice way to show that I appreciated him, and I, I wrote him a lovely letter about it, and uh, about what it all meant to me, and, and then I brought a picture for him to sign. 
I paid for my autograph and, and he signed it and he was really nice and I, I went to go give him my poster and I was explaining what it was and 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 how much it meant to me and how I wanted to give it to him and he looked right at me and was like I, I can't take this this is something you've had for almost 10 years you know I, I can see that it, it means a lot to you so I, I'm not gonna take this but I will sign it and he signed my poster and he wrote, this is the best poster made by an 8th grader that I've ever seen. And I'm the best poster maker in Middle Earth. Lots of love to you, Billy Boyd. And he was just so nice about it. And he, he, I hope he really enjoyed my letter. Because my letter was, you know, I really heartfelt on him. Told him how much it meant to me and how much the fandom meant to me. And how I still, to this day, 10 years later, have inside jokes with friends about Lord of the Rings. And... So it was a really cool experience, and he, and he was super nice about it. And then the reason I didn't get to any other panels for the rest of the day is because I spent the rest of the day uh, palling around with some friends of mine. I went around with Kara and Jackie, and Kara had changed into her Blue Beetle outfit, and then my, my friend Shelly was Booster Gold, which meant that she went around and trolled everybody, and <laughs> Shelly was just walking up to people and was just like, I will sign that for you, because I'm Booster Gold. Thumbs up. Sign, sign. And she would sign people's stuff, like, Booster Gold. And, like, get take pictures and jump in the back of other pictures and just, just troll the hell out of everybody. But that, that was the main reason why I, I didn't go to any other panels. Because by the time I did the Cabin Pressure meetup and then went to the Walk of Fame and, and stuff like that, it was just starting to get late. One more really, really, really cool thing happened to me at Dragon Con on Friday. Um, it was really crowded in the Marriott, so I kind of ducked out of the crowd, and I was standing near the elevators, because it was a little less crowded, and I was just trying to get, like, you know, breathing and get my wits about me again, because it was hot and blah. You know when you recognize somebody, and it's one of those things that you recognize them, and you kind of have to do a double take just to make sure it is someone you know? Well, when I did my double take, I looked to my right. <sighs> And there was Stan Lee. Stan Lee, it was, like, I could touch him. I didn't even have to fully extend my arm to, like, touch his face. <laughs> like, he was right there. And, and Stan Lee was just, he was so nice. And I, I think I, I was gawking at him, like, open mouth, gawking, mouth breathing. And I think I made this unhuman sound. And he just looks at me and he smiles and gives me a little wave. And he gets on his elevator and goes up. And I just, oh god, I, I was just thinking of all the cool things I could have said in that moment. And even in my bag, I had a comic, I, if I had the chance for him to sign, I wanted him to sign. And he was right there, but I, of course I didn't want to bother him because he was probably tired after everything from the day. But it was just really cool because I stood next to Stan Lee. And I just wish I had like the brains about me just to like, jump in his elevator and just being like, Hi. Hi there. Hi. Yeah. Um, so it, it was really nice meeting him. And then I had to uh, leave a little early on Friday because it was the only day I didn't stay at the con. I ended up staying with a friend of mine from high school. And we stayed together and we stayed up entirely too late. We stayed up really, really late. We probably shouldn't have. But it was cool just to catch up with him too. So And because I didn't wake up entirely as early as I wished... I got stuck in the Dragon Con Parade traffic. <laughs> oh god, so the thing about the Dragon Con Parade is it's so cool and it's gotten so big 
and it's so massive. I think someone said it's either one of the biggest parades in Atlanta now, or the biggest parade in Atlanta. Like, they shut down entire roads just for the parade. And it's really cool experience. Like, you definitely have to get there really early to get a really good spot to see the parade. But it's really cool to see all the fandoms and see all the costumes and to see the, like, you know, the Ghostbusters car and the Batmobile. And it's just, it's really awesome to watch. But my advice to you is, if you cannot get there early enough before the parade, just, just wait till it's over. Because the traffic was horrible. I couldn't get anywhere close to the con for the longest time. And it, it shut down Cortland Street all the way out to the highway. Like, all the way out to 7585, which is the massive highway that runs right through the heart of Atlanta. It, it, like, it was miles of traffic. Not kidding. So, my advice is if you can't get there before the parade, just sleep in a little longer and, and try to get there after. I, I was really sad that I missed the parade. I was really looking forward to it. But a lot of my friends put up awesome pictures and stuff, so it wasn't a total loss. After that, I headed straight to the Sherlock Holmes panel, and it had uh, Taylor from Baker Street Babes on the panel, and it was really cool because, you know, I I know my close friends like Sherlock, and, and like we pal around, and we have our own tea parties, as, as I said in my last podcast, we had a tea party, and it was really nice, but it was really cool to see how big the fandom has gotten. I was talking with this one girl, and, and she was like, yeah, like, the first, a few years ago, like, when the first season came out, I was, like, the only person that cosplayed Sherlock, and, like, no one but, like, two people recognized me, but now I can't go anywhere without people knowing that I'm cosplaying Sherlock Holmes, and, it, and the room was big. I have a couple pictures on my Tumblr post about it, and to show how many people were in this room, it's, it's making me really excited. Because in April, we're going to have a Sherlock Holmes convention here in Atlanta. It's called 221BCon, and it's everything Sherlock Holmes. It's not just the BBC. It's the books, it's the Guy Ritchie films, it's the Granada series. It's it's everything Sherlock Holmes. And there's even going to be a cabin pressure panel, too. Which I'm really looking forward to. And it's, it's the first time we've had a Sherlock Holmes convention in Atlanta. You should look into it. It's going to be real cool. Or, I, I have a feeling it's going to be. And I got to meet a lot of nice people. And a lot of inside jokes, too. There's an artist on Tumblr called Reaper Sun, and she accidentally started this thing called Red Pants Mondays, and it's John Watson wearing red underpants. And it's become a thing. It's not Monday until it's Red Pants Monday, and somebody had the complete and total balls, literally, to cosplay John Watson in red underpants, and he sat like three seats down from me, and he was just the nicest, coolest guy, and everybody was freaking out over him, and it was so nice. But I also got to meet um, a girl named Sasha, and please, if anybody hears this, and you know Sasha, forward this to me, but uh, forward this to her, because I would really like to talk to her more about this, because we said that we were going to meet up afterwards and talk, and we didn't get a chance to. But she wrote my favorite Sherlock Holmes fanfiction, and it's this piece called The Long Drive, or The Long Road Trip, or something. It's a, it's a series of just John and Sherlock going on a road trip with, with Greg Lestrade and trying to 
solve a case on this road trip, and it's it's wonderfully written, and on the surface it seems really just, oh, this is funny, haha, but the more you get into the series, you find out it's really serious, and it's really sweet, and it's really, it, it's a John Locke fic, a, ship, a John Locke shipper fic, but in the way of where Sherlock, like John, realizes these emotions, doesn't know how to come across them, realize that John doesn't love him back, and realize it's better to be friends. And it's really beautifully written because it's done so simply in this one format. I just, I really I wish I got to just talk with her more because that would have been just, you know, really fun because I'm a writer too and I, I do have fan fiction, but I'm also working on my own stuff and I, I really liked her style and I really wanted to talk about how she came across that style and how, and see if she had any other works because she was just, she's a really awesome writer. So I, I really, 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 really highly suggest uh, reading her fic if you like Sherlock Holmes fanfics. I have a link to it in my Dragon Con post on my blog, on my Tumblr thing. And then afterwards we had a Sherlock Holmes photo shoot, which was super fun, because we also had a few Super Hulock people come up, and Super Hulock is the crossover of Supernatural, Doctor Who, and Sherlock. And it's a really big thing on Tumblr, and I was really excited to have all the Super Hulockians pop up and yeah and I did some cosplaying on Saturday. I was uh femme hawkeye, girl hawkeye and I had my hawkeye dress and everything. But sadly I didn't take any pictures because I was silly and I forgot. And it was it was a good run. Um I'm gonna bring him back for or I guess bring her back because it's girl hawkeye. Um and I, when I say girl hawkeye I don't mean Kate from Young Avengers because she's she's Hawkeye right now too. I mean uh Clint Barton Hawkeye. Um, and I ran into Mike Bailey on Saturday. And if you don't know who Mike Bailey is, you are obviously not listening to Two True Freaks Enough. Because Mike Bailey is one of our constant people on some of our other shows. And he is just a wonderful person to talk to, and he's so great. He knows his comics like that. I highly recommend all his shows, which, I'm sorry Mike, are slipping my brain. I think he's in Back to the Bends. And I know he has his own Superman podcast. I just don't remember the name of it. Like a bad kid and a bad co-host person. But yes, it was it was really cool to see Mike Bailey too. And, and Mike, we have pictures. You took a picture of us together. We need proof that we were together. And I know it's not as cool as all of our other Two True Freaks podcasters going to Celebration. Because they're all lame that they got to go to Celebration and, and we didn't. So, yeah. I shake my fist at you, Chris and Scott. And then after that, I went to the unofficial scoop on the Hobbit movie panel, which was really fun. And like I said, I'll, I'll save that to the end of the episode, because I don't want to give away any spoilers. But what we mostly talked about is we talked about theories, and then they showed a lot of pictures. And one of the guys uh, who was hosting the panel is, I think, either the creator of the OneRing.net, or he is one of the main contributors. To, well, they all worked for the OneRing.net. But I think he was the uh, founder of it. He actually got to go on the Hobbit set for several weeks. So he had a lot of inside scoop stuff. And I will say that for the end of the show. Because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings if they don't want to know. But just, just to say that if you don't want to hear it. Just hearing some of the theories and seeing some of the pictures and stories he told us. It, was, it got me really excited for the movie. For the most part because there's a few things I'm still a little uh, on, and you'll have to listen to the end of the show to hear that. 
So, afterwards, I was walking around a bit more, taking pictures, and there's a picture on my Tumblr post about it. And it's a bellhop with uh, a, a man who is a bellhop, half man, half bellhop, and he has stuff coming out of his chest, like stockings and bras and stuff, and I recognized it automatically because it was designed by RJ, who was one of the contestants on season two of Face Off. Not the movie Face Off. It's a reality sci-fi. Sh it's a reality special effects makeup artist competition show on Sci-Fi Channel. And I recognized it because it was my favorite design of season two, and I was just gobsmacked seeing it. I was just like, oh my god, it's 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 that. Ah, it's the Tim Burton challenge. It was awesome. And so I went up to the guy, and I was just like, this was my favorite. It's so good. And he was like, yeah, RJ did it. I was like, I know RJ did it. He was my favorite contestant. I was rooting for him. I was really upset when he didn't win. And he goes, no, RJ did it. And he turned me around, and there was RJ from Face Off. But he was cosplaying as the penguin, and I have a picture of me and him once again on my Dragon Con post. And his, it's, it's, it's a really awesome picture of the penguin. Please go see it. And I was just really excited. And he was very nice about it. And he was cheerful and, and happy. And he was awesome to meet. And um, I asked him who he was rooting for. Because season 3 is going on right now. They're, they just did episode 3 of season 3 either yesterday or the day. What day is it? I don't even know what day it is. It's probably not the same day I would tell you by the time this podcast comes out. So it doesn't matter. But he was just saying that he was rooting everybody on because they're all his friends. And he was just a really, really, really nice guy to meet. And so afterwards, I went to another panel. I went to the Literature as Anime panel. And I was really disappointed in this because the way they made it sound was I thought they were going, going to be comparing uh, anime shows like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like Gonkusuo, which is based off the Count of Monte Cristo, which is really good, by the way. It's a really good interpretation. Um, and and stuff like that off... And, and comparing... Sorry. <laughs> these sentences are getting away from me. I thought they were going to be comparing anime shows based on literature to their original sources and saying whether or not it was successful. That's what I thought I was getting into. And I thought it was going to be this really interesting, in-depth look at stuff. And I know there's this Sherlock Holmes anime that's running around with their dogs. And I can't remember it, but one of my favorite art authors and artists on Tumblr is always drawing it. it. It wasn't that, and I was really upset by that because all they really did was show uh, anime music videos, AMVs, um, and the openings of these shows, and they were showing them just like, oh, look how funny this is! Ha ha ha! So I ended up leaving early because it's, it wasn't what I thought it was. I thought we were going to have in-depth discussions of literature as anime, and anime as literature, and and, and I was just, I was a little bit upset. That was pretty much my Saturday. Here, let me check my Dragon Con app to make sure I covered everything. By the way, good job, Dragon Con. This Dragon Con app is amazing. I, if, if you have a smartphone and you went to Dragon Con and you did not have the Dragon Con app, my god, you are missing out. It's so simple because what they do is they break down all the tracks and and I talked about the Dragon Con app in the last episode I recorded but I was just like oh this is cool it's exciting no it's so useful 
I, because in the past I've had to write down out all my schedule and like be like, oh, I don't know what I want to go to. I have like four things in my 11 o'clock slot and I was writing it out. Or you had to use the book thing and if you lost your book thing, it was ridiculous and it was time consuming and took up a lot of space and Well, with the DragonCon app, you, your entire schedule is literally in the palm of your hand. And I can look at it and I could see that at 1 o'clock I wanted to go to Time Ladies and Doctor Who, a Supernatural panel, and Sherlock. As all three of them lined up and it's something I can look at and go, okay, these all happen at the same time. I wanted to go to the Sherlock panel, but I had these other two options. And it shows how much space you have between everything. And just, just good job. I, I wish they had an AWA app. I wish they had an app for everything convention. Because if you, they had a list of vendors. They had all their maps. They had maps of the Marriott and the Hilton, the Hyatt, and the Weston, and the Sheridan. Which were all the things. They had the speakers. They had show documents. When you clicked on show documents. They had gaming guides, they had the MARTA Peachtree City map, MARTA is the subway system of Atlanta, they had parking rates and information on parking, they had uh, the store menu for the DragonCon store, they had a, a, a document on DragonCon TV and like what time things came on and what parties, like just such a smart thing to do. And then it has a friend section where you can send your code to your friends and then click on it and send them a message like, oh, I'm in this panel right now. And it would send it to their phone and their app, and you could share your schedule so they can see your schedules, and so, 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 so smart. I, I love this thing. Okay, but it tells me I didn't go to anything else cool. So that was my Saturday. It was, it was really, really fun. So then I got to stay at the Westin, which is a really nice hotel, by the way. Don't know how my friends got that, but it was super cool to stay in the Westin. And I didn't have to drive any late nights anymore, which was excellent and awesome. Sunday happened. No clue what happened to me on Sunday. Because I woke up feeling horrendous. And I, I felt like I was dehydrated. And I don't know how I was dehydrated because of the fact that I drank nothing but water. I would have a cup of coffee in the morning and a cup of coffee in the afternoon, but the rest of the day I was drinking water. So I think I was just crazy low on blood sugar or electrolytes or something. I don't know what happened. But I was running around in my female Barry cosplay from Pokemon, and I got to take some pictures with my friend Jackie. But after that, I, I was only female Barry for about an hour, and then I went to the Sheridan, and I slept on a couch for an hour and a half, and didn't feel better, so I went back to my room and took like a two-hour nap. So I didn't do much Sunday <laughs> during the day, but when I when I got when I woke up, I felt better. I ate. I ate like a big meal, and I drank fruit punch to get my blood sugar back up, and I was awesome. And I went. I, I registered for 221BCon again. Then afterwards, I went to an analyst of Doctor Who new series, um, all talking about this newest season of Doctor Who and pretty much covering Matt Smith's run. And it was being hosted by... Oh, I'm going to butcher your name, and I'm recording this just to send this to you. Well, not just to send this to you, because it is my show. I'm so sorry if I butcher your name. I'm trying to find it. Mark Faber? I think it is. Mm, yeah, Mike Fa Faber. 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 I'm sorry. Don't don't judge me. Um, of Earth Station One. They are a Doctor Who podcast, it looks like. I'm looking at their website and I've started listening to their stuff and it's, it's really good stuff. I'm looking forward to, to hearing more. 
Earth Station Who. That's their their podcast. I'm sorry. Earth Station One's the entire. It, it's like us. We're two true freaks. It's the umbrella name. And then there's shows under Earth Station One. So Earth Station Who is their Doctor Who podcast. It was really interesting. It was it was by him and one of either the founder or one of the main writers on one of these two websites because I lost my little slippy slip thing that had it. Um, it's either Anglotopia or Anglophenia. And I wish I knew which one because I really wanted to talk to this man more and, and, and write him and contact him. And I can't remember his name and what website it is, and I hope I find that. But it was, it was a breakdown of the new season and stuff. Stuff. <laughs> I'm so eloquent this late at night. Um, it was a breakdown of Matt Smith's new season and had a lot of the spoilers and stuff, so I'm going to save some of that towards the end. But, you know, it was just, you know, talking about, like, we talked about the, uh, actually, we didn't talk about anything really spoiler spoil, spoilerly a lot. Just stuff that, like, Christopher Eccleston probably isn't coming back for the 50th anniversary because he's in some, like, little rinky-dink movie called Thor 2. In case you didn't know, Christopher Eccleston's the big baddie in Thor 2. So, he's having scheduling conflicts there, so he probably won't come back. And I've... I heard that when he was the doctor, he had a terrible time, which makes me sad, because I love me some Eccleston. He's one of my favorites. I love Eccleston so much. Um, and we and we just mostly just broke down Matt Smith's new season and how he's done so far and kind of compared it to Tennant and Eccleston. And we talked about um, how the dynamics of the ponds being the only, like, the first married couple there and how, hmm, how much do I want to talk about this? Okay, I won't talk about it, but stuff happens to Amy and Rory in this newest episode, and uh, the lead-up of the little one-to-two-minute shorts called Pond Life that was leading up to the new episode on Saturday, that was last Saturday. Um, so it, it was fun. We talked about the new companion a little bit, because, spoiler, we're getting a new companion at the Christmas episode. So, so we didn't really, really uh, do anything that you can't find online. You probably haven't avoided it very well, knowing all of you. Knowing all of my listeners, you probably love spoilers just as much as I love spoilers. Anyway, so it was a really interesting panel. It was it was really fun to go into, and, and it really cleared up a lot of stuff, because I wasn't a big fan of Matt Smith's last season, because to me, it just kind of got convoluted and, and watered down, and very, very plot-heavy, so it was nice to have someone kind of talk about it, and and break it down a little bit easier, because I only watched it once. It's not like his first season, which I watched over and over and over again, which we also broke down in that one Doctor Who special episode of Two True Freaks, which was our four-hour-long shebang. God, that was... Oh, God, I I still can't believe we recorded that, because it was ginormous. It was a ginormous episode. Oh, our specials are wonderful, aren't they? Um, (laughs) So we probably should do that again, guys. We, we definitely need to do another Doctor Who episode. I say looking at Shag and knowing that it's going to be really hard for us to get together and, and do this, but we should do it, Shag. Shag, let's, um, if you don't know Shag, I'm not just saying word Shag for fun. Shag is another one of our contributors to Two True Freaks, and he's my arch nemesis. <laughs> I, we will kill each other one day in an epic hun- Hunger Games-style battle, and yes. Um, Shag, we should make a podcasting date at the end of the season, and or or even just before the Christmas episode, and talk about if like the kind of first half of this mini season was successful or not. 
I'm up for it. Are you? You better be, because I'm going to find you. And if you don't want to, I'll make you. And if not, I'll kill you Hunger Games style. <laughs> so it was, it was a really fun panel. Um, and then after that, I went to the effing Yule Ball. I love the Yule Ball. Yule Ball is the greatest thing ever. And it was so big this year. It was like trying to get into a nerdy club. You could only get into the Yule Ball when people left. Because it was so big and crowded. And I just have a slew of pictures from the Yule Ball. And I hung out with my friends. And it was just crazy, amazing dancing. And it had all these cosplays from Harry Potter to Sherlock cosplays. I saw hipster stormtroopers. Uh, My Little Pony cosplays, and I just pretty much just danced the night away. And afterwards, we went to a Star Trek uh, dance party, which was just as fun. And I was with some of my friends, and we were having a good time until we heard they were doing a midnight showing of Asylum of the Daleks, the new episode of Doctor Who from last Saturday. And me and my friends had been really bummed out, you know, because we were at Dragon Con. We didn't get to see the new episode when it came out. So we were just like... Oh my god, we have to go to this. We have to try. So we ran. Like, we like booked it to the Hyatt to try and get to this viewing. And oh my god. It was so good. It was so, so good. I actually want to talk about it in a minute. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to it. So once again, if you haven't seen it, spoilers. It'll go to the end of this episode. So yeah, and after that, by the time we were done with that, it was like 1.30 in the morning, and I pretty much died in bed. <laughs> like, I just flopped over and was just like, done! Ugh! And I didn't really do much Monday morning, because I was exhausted, because I had danced for just about four hours straight, and it was out really late. But I, I went to the dealer's room. I would say, if you ever want to buy stuff at Dragon Con, wait till Monday, because one, it's not crowded. It really isn't. And yeah, you're kind of posing the chance of it. You're not going to get what you want. They're going to be out of shirt sizes, stuff like that. But it's not crowded, uh, and you get really, really good deals. I got the Trials of Loki comic book, which is a, one of the best comics I've read recently. I was just, it rips my heart out, but it's so well done that the entire time you're not sure if Loki is telling the truth or not. Because it's, it's all from Loki's point of view, about why he's evil, and why he does things, and why he killed Balder, and like why he brought Ragnarok, and blah blah blah. But there's a moment where Thor corrects him, and you're just like, is Loki telling the truth for this entire thing? No, it's so good. I highly recommend it, especially if you're a Thor or a Loki fan. Read The Trials of Loki. And I also bought the uh, Prelude to Siege, which I'm reading now, as I said earlier today, in this, today in this podcast. And what would have been $40, I got them both for 14 I was happy, because Siege was only $4, and I got The Trials of Loki for 10 Yay! So, and I also got a Hitalia water bottle. Anybody on my show knows that I love Hitalia. <sighs> Which we're getting a season 5, and volume 5 is coming out too. Thank God, praise Jesus, hallelujah. I'm from the South. Oh my God, I'm so excited. So I'm ready for AWA. And that was pretty much my dragon plant. I went home after that, and then I slept forever. <laughs> I slept for effing ever. Um, afterwards... But Dragon Con was really, really fun um, this year. It was, it's not, I didn't do what I normally do, because I usually just try my hardest to go to as many panels as I can. But I kind of went to the, I'm in a party room, which is very weird and unlike me, because I'm not a big partier. So, um, it, it really geared me up for AWA. 
AWA is at the end of this month. It will probably be what I will talk about in my October podcast. And AWA, if you don't know, is Anime Weekend in Atlanta. It's now, last year it was, it broke the top ten of best anime conventions in the U.S. It was like number ten of the, what did I just say, the ten best anime, cos- or not cosplays, conventions in the U.S., yeah. Nope, okay, that was everything. Cool. So now I'm going to talk about spoilers, okay? <laughs> you've been warned. You've been warned, you've been warned. So I'm going to talk a little bit about... I'm going to talk about Asylum of the Daleks, and there is going to be spoilers about the new season in this. And I'm going to talk about The Hobbit. It's your last chance. You ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, you're fucked if you don't want to be spoiled. So, Asylum of the Daleks. This episode was so good, because after last season, like I said, I really didn't like last season of Doctor Who. It was mainly because I'm not the biggest River Song fan. Like, I like her, and she's cool, but I wish we didn't, you know, lose some of that mystery about her. Because I didn't want to know that she was Roy, Rory and Amelia's, Amelia's, Amy's daughter. I didn't really care. I'd much rather never knowing who she was exactly. Because that was half the fun about her, and once we found that out, I was like, oh... Okay. And it was just such a heavy plot season. Because Matt Smith's first season was so much fun. You know? You know, because you had all these episodes that just seemed like they were just random adventures of the day. Like, oh, we're here, we're here, we're here, yay, we're having fun. And then you get to the last two episodes with the Pandorica, and you realize everything was freaking connected everything like the entire season it was all connected and that blew my mind and it was amazing and it was a great way to like really usher in Matt Smith and it was amazing writing from Moffat and all the other writers of Doctor Who it was just so so good and then last season I just had good episodes but most of the time I just didn't really like it like I, I really didn't like the Demon's Run episodes I really no, I didn't really care about them, and maybe not really care about Amy and Roy, which sucks, because I really loved both of them. And so what happened is you have the lead-up to the season with the little episodes of Pond Life, which is a little look at Amy and Roy's life over the course, I think, of five, six months. And you can find them all on YouTube, and they're really easy to find, and they're only a minute or two long. Like, you're not going to spend any more than maybe eight minutes of your time watching all five. It was really good because you saw how well they were doing in the beginning, and then in the last two, they absolutely fall apart. And Rory leaves Amelia, or I keep calling her Amelia. It's Amy. Why am I calling her Amelia? Like she absolutely just leaves Amy. It's it's really heartbreaking because you're like, no, I love them. Um, so when you get to Asylum of the Daleks, it opens with them signing divorce papers. And my heart broke, just legit broken half, because I love them together. And I love Rory, you know? Rory is, like, the boy I would love to meet and marry and, like, and, like, have forever and be in a relationship with. Because he's so perfect and he's sweet and he's kind and considerate and he's so brave and he just sort of rolls with everything, you know? He just doesn't, you know, get flustered by anything. But it, the episode opens and they're kidnapped when I say they, I mean Amy, Rory, and the Doctor are kidnapped by the Daleks and stuck on the ship. And the Daleks are like, hey, guys, guys, um, we're kind of scared to go to this one place. And it's this asylum where we keep all the not-perfect Daleks. They're the crazies, they're the insanes, they're the flawed ones. 
it's just, you know, we, we, we don't want to deal with them and we need someone to go down there and pretty much blow it up for us. Or at least drop a force field and let us blow it up. And if you happen to still be on the Earth, oh no, if you're still on the planet when we blow it up, oh, we accidentally killed the doctor and killed two birds with one stone and the, do and the doctor's just like, okay, okay, I'll do it because if we don't, you're gonna kill us on the spot. Gotcha. Wink, wink. But while they're there, they discover there's a girl named Oswin, and she's been crash-landed on this planet for a year. And Oswin, spoiler, ready for it, is the new companion. Like, it's, it's the actress, she's the new companion, uh, she's the one that's coming in the Christmas episode, and it was really cool to see her, a little preview of her in action, because she's funny! She's witty, and she's funny, and she's smart, and she's strong. And she is just such a wonderful character. And she keeps up with the Doctor, and she, she plays with them, like, word for word. And she can keep up with Matt Smith. And I'm really excited to see more of her. Because a lot of times, you know, I, I, I sometimes either really like one-liner characters, or really hate one-liner characters. There's no, really no middle ground for me. So to have kind of a one-linery character who is smart and brave, and, you know, isn't just that and very deep you you find out something very terrible about her in this episode and i'll get to that in a minute which is also why i don't know how they're gonna bring her back at all because she you'll see anyway I, i'm really looking forward to her being the companion how they're going to bring her back but uh they get there and oswin is helping them navigate this through this dalek asylum during all this uh amy gets affected um, she loses her glow bracelet of destiny, and there's nano thingies in the air that's turning her. It's the same nano thingies. I can't. It's worst Doctor Who fan ever on this side. It's the same nanobots that were in the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances episode. They're similar to those, and they they infect what's ever alive or dead and turn them into Daleks when they're in the air. Well, they're wearing like glow stick bracelets of destiny that was keeping these nanobots from you know doing that to them. Well, Amy loses hers. Of course. And so she starts turning into a Dalek, and, and Roy's just like, Oh no, you should know that you should have my bracelet, because I loved you more than you ever loved me! And they have a really nice moment, and they get back together, because they make out. Yay! I was happy about that. They got back together. Yay! And during all this, what I found so interesting in this episode, it was the first time I ever actually really felt sorry for Daleks. Because, you know, they're scary. They're, they're killers. They... They find hatred beautiful. And one of the best lines of it was, you know, the Daleks are just like, you know, we couldn't kill these guys because we found hatred, their hatred beautiful. And the Doctor's like, wow, you've ran out of ways to disgust me. To, to, like, to just completely just disgust and make me loathe you. you I, I thought you were done, and no, you gave me one more reason to hate you. And the Dalek Prime Minister looked right on and said, well, maybe that's why we've never been able to kill you. Because hatred is beautiful to us. And it was such a great line. Oh, it was so good. It was the only time I ever felt bad for these Daleks. Because there's a moment where Amy, because she's in the middle of this process of turning into Daleks, she walks into this room and she sees people. You know, she sees two people, like, dancing together. And there's another person, woman, or it was a man or a woman, I don't remember which one who greets her, like, she's coming to a party, and in the background you see a girl dancing, like a girl ballerina dancing, and, you know, you have two people that are touching and holding hands and being very intimate with each other, 
and the doctor comes in and he's like no your your vision is starting to be changed you need to look at this again and she looks back and they're all Daleks there are these broken crazy Daleks but they were so human in that one moment like the one that gets me is the two Daleks that were touching because you know they're they're in metal cases and inside they're like these gross squishy nasty things so they you know they never really probably ever get to touch in real life and and be intimate with each other which is I don't know how they breed I guess they just grow them in a tube or something which is really sad and there's the one Dalek when you look back that was the ballerina Dalek when it shows him, uh, him or when it shows I guess her again the Dalek is spinning like it's dancing and it was this really it was only for like half a second, but the more and more I watched that scene and looked at it, it was a very deep, touching scene, and I felt so bad for these guys. And I never thought I'd feel ever, ever, ever in a million years feel bad for the Daleks. Ever. Oh my god, Moffat, why are you so good? Moffat, why are you so good? Oh, you make me want to punch you in your face. Oh, so good. And so the episode progresses, and Oswin, as I said, was, has, was guiding Amy and Rory and the doctor through this asylum, they find a teleporter, and the doctor's like, cool, we'll use this teleporter, we'll teleport back to the TARDIS in the last minute, so, like, once we've lowered the force fields and the Daleks start blowing up the, start blowing up the planet and stuff, we'll, we'll be able to get out of here, yay. And Osmond's like, I can lower the force field for you, but you gotta come get me first. And he's like, okay, so, the doctor, like, goes through and, like, trying to find Oswin, and when he gets there, oh my god, it was so, it was so good. He gets there, and he looks at Oswin, and he's like, do you, is any of this real to you? I, I, I'm looking right at you. And she's like, yeah, of course it's real. Just come right in. He's like, I can't. And the camera pans around. And Oswin, when you see her, like, or what she thinks she is herself, she's this really cute girl, and she's in this little pink dress, and she's really fancy, and she makes souffles, and she listens to Carmen. She remembers her mom's birthday, and she's a really cute girl. But when the camera pans around to what the doctor actually sees, she's a Dalek. And she was so strong in her belief that she was human that the Daleks weren't able to convert her mind so she hid herself within a dream that she was still human trapped in a ship and she built this world around her to protect herself so she wasn't turned into a full Dalek which is why I don't know how they're gonna bring her back ah, how are they gonna bring her back I don't know I wish I knew but it's it's a really sad scene where you hear this Dalek voice coming out of this robot and it's like, no, like, oh, exterminate. But it's so sad because she's like, I'm human. I am human. I know I'm human. Um, I, I'm Oswin. I'm, I'm, I'm a human. And she starts crying. And if you ever hear that Dalek voice crying, it will break your heart. Oh, oh, it broke mine. Oh, and the acting was just wonderful. So Oswin is like, you know what? I I understand now, and I will be the girl who beat the Daleks. You will run. Run, and I will lower the shields, and just promise me one thing. Just remember who I am. And she does this trick to save the Doctor at one point, where she makes all the Daleks for, in the asylum forget who he, is, who he is. Like, he just completely deletes the Daleks from... Or d deletes the Doctor from the pretty much from the Daleks' hard drive, so to say. So as he's leaving and he's running, she lowers the shields, and the, the real Daleks up on their, you know, big spaceship things start blowing up, blowing up the planets. And at the last minute, Roy, Amy, 
on the doctor teleport their butts back up to the to the TARDIS. That's actually on the Dalek ship. The doctor pops down. He's like, "Yeah, look at me! I've escaped! I beat all you, Neener, Neener!" And the Daleks don't know who they are, who he is. They've, they've exploded the, you know, the planet with Oswin on it. Oswin was still on the planet when it, it exploded. How is she gonna come back? I don't know. It bothers me. But you know, the Daleks don't know who he is. Like the real ones that are left. And he's like, "Oh my God, Oswin legit." erased me from them and then they have a moment where they're like doctor doctor who we don't know who you are doctor who doctor who oh, and i'm right the whole time i'm like oh i see what you did there <laughs> and so the doctor's impressed he's like he's like wow oswin you did cool stuff and so he hops on the tardis and he takes amy and rory home and you know they got it back together because rory actually goes back in the house with amy and you know, with a face of like yeah i'm gonna get laid woo and so then the doctor after that is like, oh, <laughs> Doctor Who, Doctor Who. And he's dancing around on his tires going, Doctor Who. Which I think is what the end of last season was. Because you had, like, the blue guy. He got his head cut off. And he was stuck in a box from the Headless Monks. And he's like, Doctor, the, the greatest question will be answered, Doctor Who. So this is definitely something that has to do with that. And we're going to figure it out. So, yay. That was pretty much Asylum of the Daleks. And it was a really good episode. It was a really strong opening episode. One thing I would say is, if you're not, you know, if you're this is your first time ever watching Doctor Who, uh, for one, I don't know why you're starting on season seven, but I don't think it was. It, it, it's one of those you need to have a little bit of background, or you're not going to really get the hatred of the Daleks and why and all that stuff. But for someone who does know Doctor Who and does love it and know it, it was a really strong episode because it had comedy. It had suspense, there's some really scary parts on it, but then it had these like really heartbreaking, tragic moments, and it made me really excited for the new companion, and it made me really excited for the new season. So I, I just thought, I, it, it's up there, it's one of my new favorites. I, I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I, and I, yeah, go watch it again. I, I watched it earlier today to get ready for talking about it. So yes, and next week... We are getting dinosaurs on a spaceship. I'm so excited because of two reasons. Arthur Weasley and Greg Lestrade. <laughs> no, Rupert Graves and the actor who plays Arthur Weasley, so forgive me because I cannot remember his name at all or the life of me, are going to be in this. And I'm so excited to see Rupert Graves running around with a shotgun. And I just know the Sherlock fandom is just going to be like, yay, Lestrade! Oh, it's his division! Killing dinosaurs is his division! Yay! I'm really, really excited about seeing this. Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. It's gonna be so much fun. It's just, even just the title is just like, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. It's just one of those things you're just, you know it's gonna be a really, really fun episode. I'm all, all ready for it. Yes, that was my breakdown of the new episode of Doctor Who, Asylum of the Daleks. Okay, thanks. Now I'm gonna talk Hobbit spoilers. These might not make sense. <laughs> because as I was listening to this panel, I forgot my notepad. So I was putting this in my to-do list app. So I'm just going to read straight down this. So if you don't want to be spoiled about the Hobbit movie, this is the last chance you have to not get spoiled by stuff. So five, four, three, two, one, five. So I went to the uh, behind-the-scenes scoops of the Hobbit movies. And the first thing that we really talked about was it was announced earlier in the week, or a week or two before that, the Hobbit movie, instead of being two movies, is going to be three movies. And I have mixed feelings about this. Um, 
the thing about the Hobbit is it has such a firm structure, you know, it starts with Bilbo, he's in the shower, he goes on this adventure, and he comes back again. That's the Hobbit, you know? And I know that a lot of other stuff is going on in Middle Earth and, and stuff, so how, when I heard that it was going to be three movies, my first response was, what are they going to do? Like, what are they going to add in? And I found out there's a lot of stuff with the Similarian, they're adding in a lot of stuff from the appendices, and you know, I just mixed feelings about that because I, for one, I'm always up for more Hobbit movies and more Lord of the Rings and more just Middle Earth in general, but also I just, I wish they would just focus on the Hobbit and I can understand two movies because a lot does happen in the book. Two movies, yeah, I think it's it's really, 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 really good amount of time to cover it, but three movies, I just feel like it will get really convoluted. It's not going to be focused just on Bilbo anymore. You know, and that's what The Hobbit was. It was Bilbo's adventure. The entire book is from his point of view, except for a couple chapters here and there. And it's just not going to have that anymore. So I'm a little worried about it. So one thing we talked about is possible theories about where the movies will break. And I'm going to read these just straight from my to-do list. Uh, Some people were saying the barrel out of Bond's chapters, where they were escaping their capture at Mirkwood, or back when it was still the two film days, one of the actors that said they had a small role in the first film. At the end of the first film, she was playing an elf at Mirkwood, and she said she had a small role at the end of the first film. But this was back in the day when we had just two movies, not three. So that might not hold as much water anymore. Let's see. And then Benedict Cumberbatch himself said that at the end of the second movie, it might end with the Eye of Smog popping up, and we now know that the third movie is called The Desolation of Smog, so that would make sense. But that also means by the time we get to movie three, we'll be in Lake Town. So pretty much movie three, if this holds true, will be all of Lake Town, you'll have uh, Bard and Stephen Fry's character as the master of Lake Town, and blah blah blah. That's pretty much movie, th- movie three, and then Bilbo coming back. And then we talked about possible openings, about how are we going to get a prologue? like Lord of the Rings, where we have a nine-minute prologue talking about the history of the elves. And we do know already that Elijah Wood and Ian Holmes, who is Frodo and Bilbo in Lord of the Rings, have come back. They've already filmed their stuff. They're in the trailer. So we were talking about how it might not be as historical like Lord of the Rings was. It might not have that opening. It might just flat-out open with Frodo and Bilbo. Because what happens is, as Bilbo, learn in the book, uh, Bilbo learns about the dwarves and their past and stuff as he's on the journey. Like, they tell him about it. They sing these songs. They tell him these stories as they're journeying. So there's a chance that we might learn all the background stuff when Bilbo learns about it. And then we talked about a new character, an entirely brand new character that was just for the movie named Tariel. hope I'm saying that right. And she is an elf that lives in Mirkwood. She has a fighting style that's similar to Legolas's. And uh, she, I think, was the one that said that she had a small role at the end of the first movie. Which leads us once again to believe that it's going to end, movie one's going to end around Mirkwood. And they're capturing Mirkwood. But there's also a rumor, and let me say, I'm going to preface this by saying... That this rumor, the person who had, you know, went to the set and stuff, didn't think that this rumor held a lot of water. And this is why. Because there, there's a rumor that Tariel was going to have a romance with one of the dwarves. Probably Ke- Feely or Keely. But there's not much to back it up. 
and because she's a new character, there's nothing in the book canon to support this. What he was thinking is, is that relationship is not going to be a romantic relationship. It's going to more be like how Gimli felt towards Galadriel. You know, there's a lot of admiration and respect, and it's it's not, you know, oh, I'm in love with her. It's like, no, this is someone who's really powerful, and I respect and honor them. So that's what he was thinking. Also, we know that Legolas is back, which makes sense because they're in Mirkwood. Mirkwood, he's the prince of Mirkwood. It's his father's home. So a lot of people were just thinking that he was just going to have a cameo. But Orlando Bloom spent months filming. Months. You know, cameo, you only film like a couple of days. But to have months, they think that his character is going to have a lot more stuff to do. And they're talking about, uh, there was a talk about the Battle of Five Armies being in this movie, which is also Malarian stuff, I believe. I believe. <laughs> um, and so they think that he's going to have a much bigger, bigger role in doing that. So when we get to Lake Town, whether it be movie two or three, uh, we think, they, they think that Bard the Bowman, who if I, oh god, I haven't read the, I'm rereading The Hobbit currently now. I'm only like in the first half of it. Um, and I haven't read it since I was in 6th grade, so almost 15 years. I believe Bard was the one that actually shoots and kills Smog. We think that he is going to have a much bigger role than what was in the books because of Peter Jackson's style. Peter Jackson has flat out admitted that he cannot make short movies. It's just something that he cannot do. Because they casted um, Bard's children. Because in, in the appendices, it says, like, oh, Bard has these children and stuff like that, and and their names are this and this, and they eventually have sons and daughters, too. <laughs> and so they have casted his children. So they think that, but it makes sense, because it's a town, you know? Why not show his kids and stuff like that? So we don't know if it's going to be more that he's playing a bigger role with his kids, or if they're just trying to flesh out the town more. To where, you know, it shows that he has kids and he's living here and stuff like that, but they're not, like, having actual role roles. Let's see. What else did we talk about? Uh, we talked about Radagast is playing a much bigger role in the movie. He's being played by Sylvester McCoy! Ah! <laughs> by the way, when we were having the, uh, the uh, Doctor Who panel, we also talked about how uh, Sylvester McCoy and, all, and David Tennant have all said that they're ready to come back for the anniversary special, regardless of how it's done. So that was really cool. And apparently, he rides around on a bunny sled. <laughs> and it's and they and the words straight from the panelist's mouth was, "I know it sounds lame because it's a, a sled pulled by giant bunnies, and Radagast is riding on this thing. But I saw it, and it's much cooler than it sounds. So I'm I'm really 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 looking forward to this bunny sled. And now getting into more stuff." That is why I think that it's going to become really convoluted and very watered down and not just The Hobbit. He said that he met some actors on the set and they were playing the characters of Azog and Bolg from the Appendices. And which means that they're not just going into the background lineage of, you know, of Thorn Oakenshield and all the dwarves lineage. It means now we're going into the lineage of goblins as well in this movie we might get that as our opening, you know, talking about the background between the dwarves and the goblins, and Azog and Bulk were goblins, I'm wanting to say, in the appendices. Don't quote me on that. But they are actual characters in this movie. Nothing to do with a hobbit. 
And then uh, Stephen Fry is going to be the master of Lake Town. He's having an assistant who they didn't have an, a name for this actor. And uh, there's going to be a conflict between him and Bard about Lake Town. And so that's why they're thinking that, you know, movie three is going to be less about, a little bit less about Bilbo, more about Bard and Lake Town. And the troubles that are going on there and stuff. But apparently Stephen Fry did a really good job in that role. And then finally, we ended with Thranendul, a picture of Thranendul. Thranendul is uh, Legolas' father. He's the king of Mirkwood. He's play- being played by the actor Lee Pace, which who was the uh, the star of Pushing Daisies, and he looked really cool. For one, he looked just like Legolas. They did a really good job, like with his wig and his clothing. So he looked similar to his son, and he had this awesome crown. Like if if you're familiar with the Shakespeare play A Midsummer Night's Dream. What you think Oberon would look like, the king of the fairies, that pretty much is what he looked like. Because he was wearing the, the silver tunic. His crown was silver, but it had these kind of red and orange maple leaves, like, woven in between these, like, silver spikes. And it, he looked like he would be the king of a forest. And it was a really, really, really cool design. And that is pretty much what we covered in about an hour, you know, because every point that I just told you about, um, you know, we we covered in much more detail and broke it down and talked about it more. But that's that's the main points I pulled up from the Hobbit panel and the sneak peek of the Hobbit panel. That was DragonCon. It was super fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, If you've never been to DragonCon, it is an experience. I, if you want to go to Dragon Con, I would go ahead and try to buy your passes now. Because the closer you get to Con, the much, 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 much more expensive it's going to get. And I know, I don't think hotels are open now, but when hotels open, they go in a heartbeat. Like, literally, all five hotels are sold out in, like, days. So you need to try and get your shit together and, and, and get hotels. And then all the surrounding hotels sell out really fast, too. So I would definitely try to get a hotel in a, in a pass early. Better early than later. Or else you're going to be doing what I did and drive to your friend's house 30 minutes away and then sleep on people's floor for the rest of the time. Unless that's your thing, then have at it. Do that all the time. Um, so yeah, Dragon Con was really fun. I'm looking forward to AWA. Um, I enjoyed meeting a bunch of people from Tumblr. I enjoyed seeing some old friends like Mike Bailey. And I enjoyed all the podcasts podcasters I met, like Earth Station Who... Mr. Mike Faber, and uh, Taylor from Baker Street Babes, and just meeting people and seeing people, seeing famous people, and eating and partying and dancing the night away at the Yule Ball. So as I said, my October episode will probably be AWA, and I look forward to talking to you guys then. So as always, thank you for listening to Hope of All Trades. We're a part of Two True Freaks podcast. Please listen to other people's shows. Um, I know that they're starting to put up the celebration specials from when Scott and and I think the hair metal hero and Chris and all of our other friends from Two True Freaks went to Celebration, Star Wars Celebration. We also uh, have a bunch of other great shows. If you're not familiar, we have Star Wars Monthly Mondays, Star Trek Monthly Mondays, all the fun stuff, but mostly people listening to me, you know us. <laughs> I'm saying all this because I'm trying to be impressive because this is probably the episode I'm going to send to Mr. Mike <laughs> and, and, and talk to him more about Doctor Who and stuff. 
So, yes, my name is Hope Molinax. As always, thank you for listening to my show. I will talk to you guys that next time. I hope you have a good day or night or time of day, wherever you are. And be safe and be happy and be healthy and have fun. All right. Goodbye, guys. Gangnam Style Gangnam Style Hop 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 on Gangnam Style Gangnam Style Hop 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 on Gangnam Style Hey
오빤 강남스타일 